You're listening to the EWN Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. Are you ready to rise up and share all your greatness to the world? Stop playing small and settling for mediocrity? If so, then you need to join us at our eWomen Network Entrepreneur Conference and Business Expo in Dallas this year, August 3rd through the 5th. There will be hundreds of women entrepreneurs from all over the world waiting to meet you to share knowledge, wisdom, and even partnerships. Get ready to be coached by me and learn from other multi-million dollar speakers who will teach, inspire, motivate, and guide you to transform your thinking from small to big. And you can't beat the food and fun at our Saturday night dance party either. Look, no one makes it alone, so it's time to stop trying to be the COE, chief of everything, and step into your role as CEO. There is nothing like the eWomen Network Conference to bring out your genius and help you take action on living your dream. Register at eWomenNetwork.com. Welcome to Women Who Triumph. Today we will be speaking to Yvette McDowell. Yvette will be sharing with us what firestorm she had to overcome to be the successful woman she is today. Now, Yvette, we spoke uh, a week or two ago about, you know, your obstacles and what you had to overcome. And you have such a unique business that right now. And tell us, the women out there, tell the listeners out there, what obstacles you had to overcome to start and be the successful businesswoman that you are today? Oh, my goodness, Christine. First of all, thank you for having me on the show. You know, when I reflect back over my life, my journey for me really started when I was nine years old. And when I look back at that, I think about having my innocence taken from me. And a lot of people like to sugarcoat that, but I call it child rape, uh, which is what it was. You know, you're in the home and you think that's where you're protected and, and you go along and all of that good stuff. And then the person who's supposed to be protecting you is the one who is harming you. And that went on for me for about six or seven years until I was 16 years old, um, child rape by my stepfather. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't minimize it. I, I don't sugarcoat it because it's one of those things that I really think people should know. Uh, it's happening. It's happening all the time. And I suffered through that, you know, at, at the age of nine, when you're innocent and you're being told that if you say anything, that your mom would lose her life. That had such an impact on me because I loved my mom to death. I loved her. She is still alive, 86 years old right now. And I vowed at that time that I would protect my mom at nine years old. It didn't matter what was happening to me. I didn't want to lose my mom. And so this man took liberty of me whenever he felt like it. And I didn't have anybody to tell. 
so, uh, you know, I'm moving along through my life dealing with this stuff, and I'm just there uh, until I became, I think I was 16, when I had enough. Uh, I literally said to this man, if you touch me again, I will kill you. And I meant it with every fiber of my being that I would have killed him. Um, And then after that, I had to start physically fighting him because I would not let him touch me again in a sexual manner. And so going through that, you know, that was an experience in in and of itself. And people have asked me in the past, well, where is your mom during all of this? You know, my mom was going through her own channel uh, troubles. Uh, I call my home life domestic violence on steroids. Uh, so she was busy trying to survive her own self. And so I just, I had to fend for myself in doing that. Uh, I remember just thinking to myself, I can't wait until I can get out of this house. I couldn't wait. Uh, I have other siblings there, you know, they were younger than me and they didn't know what was going on. I carry this burden. So I'll never forget the day when I reached age 21, 22. I called my best friend who had a van at the time, and I said, come and pick me up. Take me to Los Angeles. I don't want to look back at this place. I packed up everything I had, and I moved to Los Angeles. That's where my old brother was living, and I went and stayed there and started a new life. You know, when I left home, I'm... Go ahead. Now, Yvette... You know, going going back to you, you know, being, you know, nine years old until the time you left your home, you know, and, you know, many of us can, you know, we can relate to that. But for those listeners out there that have not been able to, you know, you know, express themselves or, you know, open up to anyone about that, you know, and what would you tell those young women today you know, if they're they're going through it right now, or they have been through it, what would you tell them right now? Christine, I would say to them, you've got to tell someone. You you have to let it out because if you don't, the only thing it's going to do is really mess with you inside. I mean, for the longest time, I struggled with my identity, didn't know who I was, my sexuality, struggle. I mean, everything was a struggle and trying to figure out what do I need to do? Where do I, where do I need to go? Uh, what do I need to say? Tell someone if it's a best friend. Uh, I don't care who it is, but tell someone because this must stop. It's a crime. And until and unless the victims speak up and say something about it, they will continue to suffer in silence. And to date, I reflect back, I can't change the past, but I wish I would have said something to someone. I really do. So I tell the young women and young men who go Mm -hmm. through it at this time, say something. Say something. Absolutely. The young men, too. You know, sometimes we look at rape as just a, a young woman or a woman thing, but it's not. It, you know, these young right. 
you know, these young men and these boys are, you know, the same thing and, you know, just, you know, to speak up. So you've got to, you know, uh, you, you moved out around 21. So, you know, what happened with your life then and, um, you know, your struggles and how did you, you know, come out of those? Well, moving forward, um, when I moved to Los Angeles, I started working immediately. Uh, I transferred my job that I had in my hometown of Bakersfield to Los Angeles, and it was really good to move into something. And I was in school. Uh, I had always been in school trying to, you know, figure out what I was doing. But the one thing I can tell you that helped ground me, as I was going through all my challenges at home, my mom never stopped telling me I could do whatever I wanted to do. I could be whoever I wanted to be. I was smart. I mean, she never stopped telling me this stuff as I was growing up. So you have one side over here. My brain is scrambled through all the trauma and drama and chaos I'm going through. On the other side over here, I'm thinking about I can do whatever I want to do. I'm free now. I can do this. But there was so much turmoil going on in my life, and I was simply trying to figure out, who am I? Um, you know, where do I need to be? Where do I need to go? I started going to Cal State Los Angeles uh, because I thought I wanted to be a nurse. And as time went on, I really figured out, I want to be a nurse. You know, I really don't know what I want to do because that was the prompting of my mother and her sisters. Now she had three sisters and the four of them, their last name was King, K-I-N-G. So the King sisters, when they spoke, you listened. Okay. <laughs> and they're telling me all of this stuff. And so I'm like, Oh God, a nurse. I don't want to be a freaking nurse. And so I dropped out of school and I went to work. I, I worked three jobs, three jobs. And I'm still trying to figure out, you know, who am I? What am I doing? I'm getting in relationships that are bad. Uh, really didn't know how to have a decent relationship. And so I just, I struggled until my spirituality really took hold of me. Uh, as a child, I was always, always in church. That, that's one thing that I, I did. I had created my relationship with God at that time. And that's what moved me forward without sending me over the edge. And so I really reverted to my Christianity. And I started praying and praying and praying and, you know, in church, reading my Bible, and just really absorbing those things and thinking about things I had learned as a child about my religion. And I started feeling a little better about myself, but still confused. Um, a friend of mine was seeing um, a therapist, and I was telling her about things that I went through, and she said, why don't you try talking to this lady over here? And I thought to myself, a therapist? I'm not crazy, you know. And so I met her, and we sat, and we just had a conversation. And it really was a, a in-depth conversation about what I was going through and everything. And so I saw her twice two times. And after that, I said, you know what? I'm sick and tired of feeling as if I don't have a clue about life. I knew I was smart. 
I knew I was capable, and I really got mad at myself. And I said, you are worth so much more than this. And that's when I really started developing in my own self. Um, I got hired by Pasadena Fire Department um, in 1981. That's Yvette, really, yes. Yvette, um, before we go into that story, we need to take a real quick break. Um, but when we return, you know, I want you to tell the listeners, you know, that story, because that story is who you are today. Yes. Whether you are at the end of your rope or have already let go and landed in a place you feel you can't get out, I will have you believing one thing. You can. In life, we get to make choices. You choose the life you want to live. You get to say how it's going to go. We can choose to create a life we love or we can choose to suffer. You have a say in how your life is going to go. First, you have to face them. And we all need a little help from time to time doing that. Visit my site, fixandrise.com, and receive a complimentary motivational ebook today. This call is being recorded. Welcome back to Women Who Triumph. Today we are talking to Yvette McDowell, and she has been speaking prior to her relationship with her stepfather and her mother, station, and how she dealt with that. But she is now going to tell us of the career that has taken her to the successful woman that she is today. She has such a unique uh, business right now, and I'm so excited to be just sharing this with the world world of what it is. Okay, Yvette, can you share that with us of, you know, what, you know, the career was to the successful woman that you are today? Absolutely. Um, Christine, as I said, I got hired by Pasadena Fire Department um, in 1981. I started work as a paramedic and a couple of years later, I went through the fire training and became uh, what we call dual certified. I became a firefighter paramedic. That was life changing for me. Uh, when you see so much trauma, drama, chaos in the lives of people, you start looking at your own life. And I started looking at my own life and it was healing for me. It was very cathartic. Uh, starting to see this and talk to so many people. And I found myself talking to people and almost counseling people who were going through so many different things. And as I started doing this, I started feeling so much more inspired about me, about my life, about who I was, about what I had come through. And fast forwarding, I spent a total of about 16 years in total um, in the emergency medical field. And during that time, I'm telling you, it just brought me so much calm, so much relief to know that first, I wasn't the only person going through something. And second, there were people going through a lot worse than than I had gone through. And that changed life for me. And so during my last years with the fire department, I decided to change careers. I went to law school and that was during my last four years with the department. Uh, I went to law school part-time 
and graduated. It took me four years to go through and graduate it. And I can say, pass the bar the first time. Yeah. Because <laughs> not many people do that. And I was working full time. Um, keep that in mind. Wow. So I. <laughs> so you, had, you had a mindset as like, this girl is going to do it one way or another. And we're doing. Oh, yeah. Going for it. We're going for it. Oh, yeah. That I, I was nonstop. I kept in the back of my mind, my mom always saying to me, you can do whatever you want it to. Mm-hmm. And I was intentional with what I did. So I went through law school, passed and uh, passed the bar. And I was law clerking during my last year of law school with the city attorney's office in Pasadena. So once I finished and passed the bar, a position opened up. I was hired with the the city attorney's office as a prosecutor. And I spent my next 15 years uh, as a prosecutor retiring uh, in 2008 as an assistant city prosecutor. And during that time, it was also where I, I just saw so much in the lives of people and had an opportunity again to help so many um, working with at-risk youth, and I call them at-promise youth, as opposed to at-risk youth, because mm, I think the I more love, you oh my goodness, that, I, Oh, my goodness. I love that. You know, it's just yes. all in that word. I love that. It's, mm-hmm. it's all in the word. You keep telling mm-hmm. someone that there's something, and pretty soon they're going to believe that. Yes. So when I used to tell them, you are at-promise it changed their whole outlook on things and working with them for a number of years, it it was really, really, again, cathartic for me going Mm -hmm. through that because I knew some of the the trouble and things that they were going through. Uh, And I started working with gangs and that was another experience in and of itself really taught me a lot about that whole dynamic so I, you know, seeing all of this, it, it just said to me that, wow, even though you've come through stuff, you have so much further to go. So when I retired, I was trying to figure out, okay, what's my next assignment, Lord? That's a, that's what I said to myself. What is my next assignment? And that's when it became apparent to me that working with women who've gone through the trauma, drama, and chaos was where I belonged because I understood what they were going through. And I knew that they could overcome these things if they had the right tools and strategies in place. And mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. So now, from there, you're, you know, you're that, you ahead. know, with the business that you, you know, you have now, can you give us an example of a story, you know, when you were um, with the, uh, the fire department, it was the fire department, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, give us a, a story as to why you have, you know, you're in the business that you're in now that touched you then. Absolutely. You know, there there's several stories that stand out, but imagine this. You are getting ready to take a promotional exam uh, to become a captain. And I had, oh, my God, I I was excited about it, all of that good stuff. And my male counterpart, while they were rallying together and and creating study groups and all that stuff, I felt completely ostracized. And frankly, I was pissed off. I really was pissed off because 
how dare you? You exclude me because I'm a woman wanting to take an, an exam and promote in the department. You sort of isolate me in that respect. And at that moment, that's when I vowed that I would never allow anyone to make me feel dishonored, disrespected, and dismissed. And that was the incident that really inspired me to support other women who may be experiencing a similar situation, whatever job it may be. And this is when I uh, came in and I started working on a program uh, called the Empowered Female First Responders Program. And my life's mission at this point in time is really to empower female first responders, uh, police and fire. See, and I love confident. that. Yeah, I love that because there are so many out there. And and for me, you know, I'm I'm looking on the outside in. I would think it would it would be a lonely lonely profession, you know. Sometimes of you know being in such a male dominated industry, it can be very isolating. Um, you you have to surround yourself with good people, and, mm-hmm. and I mean good people. And, and this is not an indictment of all the males working in those professions, because right. over the years I definitely built some of the most beautiful relationships with mm-hmm. some of the guys. But that took time. And Mm -hmm. if you are not uh, strong enough or have the confidence in yourself, that could really destroy you going through that. Uh, Because as we all know, you know, men are a lot different from women and we look at things completely different. So you have to have some level of confidence about yourself to be able to put up with some of the nonsense that goes on because it is a boys club. Mm-hmm. Let's make no mistake about that. You know, during the time when I was there, there were a handful of women. I could count the women on one hand when I was there in a department of maybe 110, 105, 110. Wow. Uh, there were maybe maybe five. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, there weren't very many of us. And when we're on different shifts, we didn't get to see each other that often and get to hang out and all of that good stuff like the guys could do. Mm-hmm. So you, you really had to look at things a lot differently. And so that's really, really what made me want to take a stand and work with these women to say, no, you don't have to feel like that. You don't have to feel isolated. Mm-hmm. You don't have to deny your femininity in these roles, just because they're male dominated doesn't mean you can't stand in your feminine power and lead. Now, if it, it uh, to leave, you know, the audience with, you know, an inspiration, you know, motivation, uh, whether it's, you know, some, you know, some young teenage girl that's 16, 78 to 19, or someone that's in the profession as a firefighter, you know, the police, you know, the police department, what motivational, what would you say to them to motivate them to keep going and, you know, not to give up? You know, Christine, that's a great question. One of the things, uh, what I think about motivation um, for the most part is I, I don't like it. And the reason I don't like motivation, it reminds me of a pep rally. You know, after the pep rally is all over and, and maybe a couple of days afterwards, it's worn off. And you're right back where you should be. I believe in inspiration. 
I truly believe in being inspired. Mm -hmm. And when I say inspired, that means start with you. Find out where you are. What do you, what do you believe? What are your values? You know, what are your morals? What is it that you will not tolerate? What will you take a stand against? What will you take a stand for? Know what that requires. Know what courage is about. Know what confidence is about. Know what being a good communicator is about. All of these things in total, you know, it's not just one thing, but the main thing is that you have to start with you to really look at where you are. And from there, if you're not liking what you're saying, there's a reason for that. And you need to get some help and figure that out. And so that's one of the things I did. I I created a quiz that I send people to before I even have a, a session with them. And it's called Gain Confidence Quiz. And what that does, it sort of gives them a baseline of where they are with things, with themselves, you know, some of the places where they need to grow, some of the changes that they know that they need to make to move to a next level. And when they go there, I like them to take that. And if they are really serious about moving forward and making changes in their own life, then I have them schedule a strategy session with me. And it's all complimentary for them. Now, Yvette, so if, anyone, they wanted to ta- if they wanted to take that complimentary, uh, complimentary, um, you know, session with you, how would they do that? And how would they get in touch with you? They could go to standconfidentandlead.com, standconfidentandlead.com. I have a nice little free gift for them there. And they can get in touch with me. And if they want to take the quiz, they can go to gainconfidencequiz.com and take the assessment. Find out where you are. It's quick. It's easy. It's fun. But it's very revealing. And they can reach me that way as well. Well, Yvette, I want to thank you so much for sharing your story. Like I said, you are such an inspiration and you have such a unique business that reaches out to women that I kind of feel has been left to the side. And we see them as strong women because they are, you know, firefighters or, you know, the police department or anything. We see them as these strong women, but we forget they're human just like rest of us. And um, so, you know, I want to thank you for that. And like I said, there, you know, there's your, that your business is such an inspiration to me that I can't wait to share it with everyone else. And I want to thank you again, for, you know, for sharing your story. And I look forward forward to meeting you in August. Absolutely, Christine. It has been my pleasure, believe me. And I look forward to meeting you as well. You know, let's just keep up the good work we're doing and strengthen our ladies out here because they are what I call the unsung heroes. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, thank you. Whether you are at the end of your rope or have already let go and landed in a place you feel you can't get out, I will have you believing one thing. You can. In life, we get to make choices. You choose the life you want to live. 
you get to say how it's going to go. We can choose to create a life we love, or we can choose to suffer. You have a say in how your life is going to go. First, you have to face them. And we all need a little help from time to time doing that. Visit my site, fixandrise.com, and receive a complimentary motivational ebook today.